I also don't want to, you know, be uh, unable to enjoy the, you know, fruits of my labor, so to speak, (laughs) because I'm like constantly in fear of not having done enough. And um, I'm sure there's somebody listening right now that is going to uh, resonate with that. Just as like you you have an infection that needs, you know, treatment, like, you know, you've got, uh, you've got a, a thought pattern that on the one hand uh, pushes you to excel, but on the other hand, it might, you know, keep you from being able to truly enjoy um, and, and see the beauty of what, you, what you've done and what you are doing. Hello, and welcome to Before the Lights podcast, stories behind high performers. I'm your host, Brittany Wilson. Today, I'm going to be talking to Marcus Philly, a six-time CrossFit game competitor turned business owner. Marcus is going to take us through his life and what brought him to where he is today. In this podcast, Marcus describes his struggles with trying to find how to do what he loves in this world and how he pursued it. If you're someone who's not sure what path you're on or how to pursue the things that you love as a career, this is a good one for you. I hope you enjoy the podcast. If you do, please share it on your social media outlets, your Instagram stories. Just be sure to tag me, Brittany One Wilson, and Marcus Philly. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get to it. All right. Hi, Marcus. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Brittany, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about some of the items that we have on our list. Yes, totally. So um, tell us where you're joining us from today. Um, I'm in San Rafael, California, which is just a, a suburb just north of San Francisco. And I'm actually in my my gym um, called Revival Strength. And yeah, talking to you from my office while the uh, you know busy happenings are <laughs> going on outside Yeah, definitely. So ever since um, competing in CrossFit, I know you competed six times as a CrossFit Games athlete, um, three as an individual, three as a team. How has life been after for you? What are some of the things that you've had to face post-CrossFit? Let's see. You know, I still, part of me still considers myself, you know, involved in the the CrossFit culture um, as a competitor to some degree, even though I haven't competed since 2016. Uh, I have, you know, I have maintained discipline around my training, around my lifestyle and around like the energy and the mentality that I bring to the gym every day, which is to continue to challenge myself and to become, you know, to see what I can become the best version of myself, both physically and, you know, on a, on a, on a personal and interpersonal relationships uh, side, um, given this, the things that I deal with or that I am, you know, pursuing outside of the gym in my life. And that was always really like the focus when I was a competitor. So, um, what have, gosh, now it's like, what was your actual original question? It was like, just um, what continues to, um, what's life after, after competing for you? Yes. And and a follow up question too, just, 
what continues to push you? Because I know competing, you know, you have someone next to you that's pushing against you, but what continues to push you to be your best possible um, self in the gym and in, and out of the gym? Yeah, good, good question. I mean, you know, for me, uh, part of my success in CrossFit was recognizing early on that I wasn't really competing against other people. I was competing against myself on a day-to-day basis at the gym, right? Because we didn't actually show up to competitions that often in the year. You know, the total days competing side-by-side with other individuals for me in CrossFit was about eight to 10 days a year. Hmm. So most of the time I was in the gym, you know, training, and pushing myself and, and I had to learn how to push myself. Um, and that to me was sort of a, you know, a valuable lesson that allowed me to continue to find success and, uh, you know, fitness success once competitive CrossFit, you know, was basically placed on hold. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know that that's something that you know, I think more people within the CrossFit world are starting to recognize that because it is a sport that demands so much of your own uh, time and energy put into the gym, kind of battling, you know, your own mindset um, and the demons that surround, you know, hard physical effort versus team sports where, you know, yes, you absolutely have to train your body hard, but you're also surrounded by teammates on a regular basis that can motivate you and lift you up when you're maybe not able to push super hard. And, and I see it in team sport athletes post, you know, when their career comes to an end, there's sort of a decline in their physical fitness because they're now left to their own devices to sort of navigate that world on their own. Like, how do I stay fit? How do I continue to push myself to competitive levels or just high levels of fitness without, you know, my team next to me? Um, I liked how you touched on how in team sports it's a little bit different because I even noticed myself um, getting to compete with my teammates or doing summer fitness in the morning where if I were to be doing it by myself, I don't think I could possibly push as hard. And so I think that's one of the challenges with CrossFit is because you're not always competing either against or next to other people. So it's like how, how hard can you push yourself? I think that's just kind of a mental barrier I I give respect to because I just don't know how, you know, you can push yourself so hard without having people next to you kind of either setting the pace or setting kind of the mindset of the day sort of thing. So, I mean, I will say one thing about that, which is, um, you know, the knowledge that you have a competition coming up within CrossFit is, is certainly motivation because, you know, anybody that has competed in CrossFit or even if you haven't, there's an understanding that, oh my God, I'm entering into some scary ground. I'm entering into some fearful unknown where the competition is gonna be fierce. People are going to be better than me. I'm going to have to push myself extremely hard. And I'd rather feel that in training mm-hmm. and show up with some uh, sense of what that's gonna be like rather than get out there and look foolish, you know, having not prepared. So that within, when I was competing, there was definitely a drive to not, you know, not suck or not show up and fall, you know, and fail. And, um, and, and really just like, I never, I, I was fearful of showing up to a competition and being surprised by, you know, by something, the effort that I would have to give. Yeah. And, uh, and I knew that the, 
you know, on a day-to-day training um, day, like, uh, on, uh, you know, within the gym, within the comfort of my own environment, that the only way I could replicate that was to truly push myself outside of comfort zones through choice of effort. And, um, you know, that, that to me is something that I, I, I miss a little bit mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't have that pressure of like, well, I got this competition in four months that I have to be ready for. So I have to stay, you know, mm-hmm. I've kind of had to navigate that and learn how to push myself without that, uh, you know, impending, you know, mm-hmm. uh, competition or, um, or that fear of like the unknown when I might show up at regionals and, uh, you know, have to compete against the best in the world. Totally. Totally. So going back, um, almost to the beginning, I know that you played soccer, um, and maybe a few other sports. What kind of, did athletics have a huge role in your life, your entire life? Yeah. I mean, sports started, I, I mean, I was moving, you know, really early on. Mm-hmm. Like, like my parents recall and tell me stories of just being, you know, the just the kid that they, they kind of had to wrangle from getting himself into trouble, like physically, like climbing up on everything. And mm-hmm. so I just I, I was going to be probably a kid who needed a physical outlet. They pushed me into you know, a couple of rec, they didn't push me, but they, they got me involved in a couple of rec sports before I knew what was going on. And mm-hmm. soccer was one of them. Baseball was another, um, played a little like rec basketball, uh, tried my hand at, you know, tennis, like in a semi-organized way, played a lot of golf. So I, I did a number of, of sports in that way, but, um, yeah, it was always a big part of my life from, you know, when I was like seven until now. And, uh, I think the more organized the sports got and the more competitive it got as I went further, the more I realized that I didn't, I didn't love the, the competitive side and the sport specific side of it as much as I love just the expression of being physical in a sport. Yeah. So I, uh, and that's just a, that's just a, a long winded way of saying I love the training and the physicality of athletics more than I loved, uh, you know, playing the game of soccer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Was that, was that always kind of a mindset for you? Because I know some kids love kind of the competitiveness and like the competing and winning. Um, but were you always more of the mentality of like, how far can I push myself? Because I feel like that's kind of a theme, um, especially in CrossFit is like, how far can I possibly take myself? Not necessarily the team, mm-hmm. but just the, the training aspect of it. There was a small part of that, I think, growing up. I think the, I think the reality was that I didn't, I didn't get involved in sports or uh, physical avenues where it, there was a way to express like the, my fullest potential athletically or like really mm-hmm. push myself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. playing golf, there's a physical element to it that I, I valued. I like being strong. I was. I stayed in shape for golf, but it was like, I didn't push myself physically in soccer. There were definitely hard, you know, games that we played and there were hard training sessions, but you know, to be successful in a soccer game, like it wasn't about who could push themselves the hardest. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I, I got, I got, um, introduced to like road cycling, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in like college as I was like kind of a fan of the, you know, it was like the Lance Armstrong Tour de France years, and I was mm-hmm. kind of interested in what was happening there. And I was like, oh my gosh, like 
there's a sport that I could like push myself to just absolute physical, you know, exhaustion, uh, in an effort to be better at it, to move faster, you know? And, um, and then some degree, like strength and conditioning in college taught me that it was like, holy sh! like you can push yourself to failure in certain aspects. And, and as a result, you can see, you know, more improvement in something. Um, and so through, through the physical training for certain sports, once I got into weightlifting, once I got into the stuff that I could do outside of like, you know, the, the actual sport, I started to learn that. So to answer your questions, like I enjoyed the physicality of sport, but I didn't, I didn't know like I like to push myself, you know, yeah. I did a little bit of like kind of cross training when I was uh, playing soccer in high school. I'd like take the jump rope and go to the weight room and like run sprints and stuff like that, which I knew was about pushing yourself a little bit, but I didn't like fall in love with that until pretty much college. And then that's when I fell in love with this idea of like, wow, I could, I could just push myself to be, you know, the best athlete I could be or the the most fit person I could be. And this predated CrossFit. And then of course I found CrossFit and, and, uh, with, with CrossFit and, you know, the methodology that coach Glassman sort of laid out, which is we measure fitness through, you know, physics parameters. You can start to say, okay, this is how you develop power and intensity and you can measure how, you know, how hard you're pushing yourself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as, as the sport evolved, there became this awareness of like, Oh, through pushing yourself physically, there's all of these benefits that, you know, you could potentially, see or experience as a, as a human. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So tell us a little bit about kind of your college experience and then through that, um, how you got involved in CrossFit and what you thought your life was going to look like post-college. Okay. Yeah. Well, my college experience was, uh, you know, I went to UC Berkeley and, um, which is about a 30 minute drive from my house up here in the San Francisco Bay area. Um, I think like most kids, I had this dream of maybe going to school a little further away, like to go have my first like away from home experience. Yeah. And in hindsight, I'm just grateful that I ended up close to home because I just needed the support of my parents more so than I ever thought I would in college. Oh, yeah. um, and being able to just pop home for a dinner or a overnight was it was extremely helpful. Yeah. But um, college experience was for me first and foremost about you know, getting a good education and being a student. I got into Berkeley as a, on an academic, you know, application, not on a sports, you know, uh, application and, um, had an opportunity to walk on to the, to the soccer team my first year in the fall, which is, uh, typically not when they hold tryouts, they don't hold open tryouts until the spring. So I got to play my, I got to be part of the team organization the first semester I was there. And so I spent the first um, really the first year kind of in a confused state where I was, I came there with this intention of like, I'm going to get this degree from Berkeley. It's going to be kind of the start of my, you know, the rest of my life and establish a good, you know, career path. Um, got into the soccer program and then, and I, you can probably attest to this, like there, when you, when you're surrounded by athletes that are there with the purpose, like with their primary purpose of being an athlete, they, you know, many of my teammates were recruited and, uh, as a matter of fact, all of them were recruited. All of them were on academic, you know, um, they had their applications tagged, 
to get in. And so, and then then we were being uh, advised by a- academic athletics, you know, mm-hmm. athlete, student athlete advisors. Yes. And it was interesting to me that many of my teammates and some of the other people in the program were getting advised to take courses that were less challenging, that didn't require too much of their time so that they could focus on their chosen sport. Mm-hmm. And I sort of fell into that trap a little bit because I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say it was like, it took me about a year to like have like a wake up call be like, you know what? I kind of spent my first year not really getting as much done in the academic world as I had intended on. Mm-hmm. Spent a lot more time like, you know, focusing on the social life that I wasn't even that excited about. Like there was a lot of partying and people going out and drinking and, you know, soccer matches were like Thursday and, and no, yeah, Friday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. So like my teammates and I would be going out on Sunday night and drinking and then waking up on Monday for class. And I got to done with the, my first year and I was like, this is not what I'm about. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't know what I'm, what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of refocused on academics first and soccer's, you know, took a backseat to that. Um, and I mean, I still was very, I felt very grateful to be part of the soccer team and the whole student athlete organization at Cal. Mm -hmm. I got, you know, a lot of good treatment. Um, I got priority enrollment. I got, you know, great strength conditioning, coaching. Um, you know, there were, there were definitely perks to being part of the team and I, I did really value my teammates. Um, but I also just was like, look, I'm, I have aspirations to become a, you know, a, a, a doctor. I was going to be pre-med and I need to focus on that first and foremost. And if I have to miss practices for labs and stuff like that, this is how it's going to be. And I'll just, I'll be a bench player, you know, if, yeah. I, if that's what it comes down to for my time here. Um, so that kind of set the stage for the next two to three years where, you know, academics became number one soccer as a sport became number two and then quickly fell to three behind me pursuing my physical fitness Hmm. weight training strength conditioning the stuff that supported soccer yeah and when we got we got our first strength and conditioning program in the off season of my first year at at cal i was like this is what's up this is what i like Hmm. i like lifting weights i like power cleans i like deadlifts i like you know all the things that go along with being a you know, fit person yeah. and, uh, you know, quickly became the strong guy on the team, you know, uh, was it been better shape than most of my teammates. And, um, and that really was, uh, kind of how my, my remaining years at Cal were kind of prioritized was, uh, get my molecular cell biology degree, uh, really focus on, you know, being the best student and, and graduating with, you know, taught my class with a great GPA mm-hmm. and support that with great physical fitness and training. And then, um, you know, soak up the experience of being on a team for probably the last time in my, you know, what my young adult life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and then I quit soccer at my, uh, the end of my junior year, I didn't play mm-hmm. another season. Um, I just focused on those other two things that were important to me. Gotcha. Yeah, so that seems, it seems hard to balance. And you mentioned um, about like you're you're sacrificing maybe playing time for having to go to lab and stuff. And 
I know that for some majors more than others too, it's harder for the athletes to balance kind of, you know, if they're engineers or if they're pre-med, um, hard to balance those two things. So regardless of if you're going to training, um, how much you were doing the physical fitness aspect, how did you kind of learn to balance those two? I know you ended up um, not playing uh, like you said, but how did you learn to balance at least just the physical fitness aspect plus um, going pre-med with, with uh, your degree and everything? Yeah, great question. Um, first, I want to say, and I want to clear one thing up, which is there are plenty of uh, athletes, student athletes out there in college playing in competitive, you know, D1 through 3 schools um, that start every single game that they ever played in college and graduate from very demanding programs and they you know they they juggle and balance more than i i i did when i was in school um so it's certainly possible and i don't mean to say like well i made this choice to go and get a good degree or from a competitive major and that's why i didn't start i didn't start (laughs) because i wasn't the most talented goalkeeper on the team Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh and that's just you know i mean that's debatable certainly to some degree, but uh, that was objectively what my coaches thought, and so I wasn't gonna be able to argue that. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to your question, you know, balance on that side of things, you know, I think there's like, as a, as a college student athlete, there's a tremendous amount of uh, draw and pull to engage in, you know, social life, which, you know, for better or worse, typically has alcohol and pot involved in it in college and some other drugs potentially. You know, uh, there's late nights that fall on days that are not typical to the student population. So like student population goes out Thursday night, maybe Friday night, some Saturday night, and then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is like focused on school. That's at least how it was for me at at Berkeley. Um, You know, you play in a game on Friday and Sunday just doesn't make sense to go out on Thursday night, Friday, or Saturday. It makes sense to go out on Sunday, maybe Monday, you know, with your friends. And uh, so there's there's definitely a pull and a, a choice that has to be made there. Uh, I, I certainly, you know, tried both, both worlds and sh- had to make a choice after a period of time to say, okay, well, the social life may have to not, you know, at least in season, mm-hmm. has to put kind of put to the side yeah. um, in order to – do the best that I could in training as well as, you know, do the best that I could in my academics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is also something to be said for, you know, having structure and having, uh, you know, a, a, a schedule that's full rather than a schedule that's wide open. You know, for me, and I think for a lot of people, when there are many things like scheduled throughout your day, it's, there's, it, it has a, a way of keeping people like focused to some degree like hey I, I don't have time to screw around I need to get from one thing to the next to get to the next I have places to be I'm accountable to certain people I have people looking out for me that are checking my attendance and want me at certain places so in a sense having you know a busy course load helped me be more um, focused you know both in studies and in soccer. It's like, okay, I only have two hours to focus on practice, and then I'm going to race off to class, whereas, you know, maybe some of my teammates or other people might 
have a two-hour break where they, uh, you know, they don't take advantage of that time. They sort of linger around practice, maybe not doing anything that's like super productive for their, you know, for their sports development or for their academics. And then, uh, then they finally make it to class. So I found that having the structure of both playing a sport as well as having a demanding course load actually enhanced my ability, you know, to, to excel in both. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I think that, uh, for some, for some, it's also about just really kind of deciding like which, and this was my, in my case, it was like, there had to be a high, like I, I placed two sports and academics, you know, on this hierarchy of like ones, which one's more important to me at any given time. And, you know, academics were, was higher mm-hmm. and I made, that was my particular choice. And again, I'm not saying that's why I didn't, I wasn't a starting goalkeeper at Cal. I'm just saying that that's how I made the, I made the choice over the years that I was there. So if there was a lab that I could take in the fall or in the spring, uh, you know, but if I took it in the spring, it was going to push back my, you know, my schedule of, you know, uh, upper division classes that I wanted to take. And if I took it in the fall, it meant that I might miss one practice a week or an hour of practice a week. Mm-hmm. I chose the fall option, and I was always upfront with my coaches about that. And they, you know, they were, uh, you know, I'll give them credit for just being open to me remaining on the team and making those choices and and realizing that that was, you know, an important. That was an important step for me as a, as a person. Yeah, definitely. So moving on from college, um, after you got through all of that, um, where did you think, like you said, you were going pre-med, you wanted to be a doctor. Um, we talked about a little bit where you thought your life was headed versus um, where you kind of are now um, and how you got there, kind of the struggles through that. Um, can you just explain kind of how you got there and what your mindset kind of was through that whole transition. Sure. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I was pre-med, um, which was inspired kind of twofold. One by the fact that I had family that were family members, my dad, my brother, my grandfather were physicians. My mom was also, uh, you know, um, uh, in the healthcare field, uh, right alongside my dad for many years. So I grew up in a family where that was really, you know, it was the, it was, I don't want to say the norm, but it was something that I grew up around and I saw, you know, a bunch of people that really valued their profession and loved what they did. And so, and provided for the lifestyle that I became accustomed to living. So that was like something that just kind of made sense to me. Um, additionally, I was, I was quite good at the the prerequisite, you know, subjects to, to getting into medical school, right? So, like, becoming a good doctor, you know, means be, being good at problem solving, having good bedside manner. Uh, but getting into medical school means being a good chemistry student, biology student, mm-hmm. math student, physics student, uh, and then learning, you know, how to take standardized tests. Yeah. And eventually you'll have to interview for a school which means you have to have a personality, but uh, there's a heavily, heavy weight on being good at the other things. Yeah. So I was good at all those things. So it just made sense for me to at least give that a try. Like I had no interest in doing anything in the language arts 
in college because that was really difficult for me and it just didn't interest me, whereas math and science absolutely did. Mm-hmm. So I was on this track towards becoming, uh, and let me pause for a second and just say that I think there's a lesson in there that I now know, which is, you know, being good at something uh, is one reason to pursue, you know, a, a path, right? Um, yeah. But I, I, sh- I don't believe it should be the only reason you should pursue something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, being good and it being what I knew was what led me down the, you know, the he- the, the doctor route. Yeah. What I was passionate about was fitness. Yeah. And I sort of was like, okay, well, somehow those intersect and I, I'll figure it out later. Um, but what I, what I realized was that medicine ultimately wasn't where they intersected. I wasn't going to intersect health and fitness with a medical degree. And so this long four to five year process of, you know, undergraduate MCATs interviewing for medical school, going to medical school, really a six or seven year process for me, you know, I basically wound up realizing like, holy smokes, like I, I'm not actually on the path towards doing what I think my calling is. Yeah. And that wasn't like a, that wasn't the language I was using in my head. <laughs> the language I had in my head was more like, oh my gosh, this is, this is horrible. I'm depressed. Yeah. I don't like what I'm doing. I'm working my ass off to get great grades in medical school. And I don't know why, like all for what? I don't actually want to be a surgeon, general practitioner, you know, uh, <laughs> oncologist, radio, I don't want to be any of these fields that I'm like surrounded by. Yeah. I don't actually want to do that. I don't, I don't look forward to that line of work. I want to be in a gym, basically. Yeah. I want to be in a gym or I want to be at a place where there's gym attached to it where I'm telling people to go and do squats and pull-ups and, you know, ride the bike to get healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it was about basically – navigating this path, you know, that I was headed down as a result of sort of like being good, maybe not having anybody ask me at the right time, like, Hey, what are you really passionate about? What do you really want to do? Yeah. Right. Um, and then thinking critically about how to make that happen mm-hmm. because people are excited about certain things in, in high school and college and there's no clear path to like a job. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I love <laughs> you know, fitness, you know, it's like, okay, well, you're going to go be a personal trainer, right? Cause at the time that was kind of, that was kind of it. There was no CrossFit, like there was no CrossFit business model. Yeah. There was no owning a gym and being like actually in a, there were very few examples of people that own gyms and like really help people with their health and fitness and change lives. Definitely. You know, it just wasn't around, uh, in, in the way that it is today. And so, you know, gosh, like, that feeling of like, I love health and fitness. I love working out. I love how I can inspire people. I mean, I was always somebody that people looked up to from when I was in high school through college. And they were like, man, you, you're in shape. You eat right. Like, what are you doing? How can you help me? Yeah. You know, that, that was like, I was that guy. Yeah. And, uh, but, and I'm still that guy today on a much bigger scale and I've turned it into a career. Yeah. But at the time I was like, I don't know. I don't know how to turn this into a career. I guess I'll go be a doctor. Yeah. How did you find your path since you realized, you know, how do I do this? Um, And then you kind of were met at a crossroads, you know, do I want to 
do that career that can support the lifestyle I want or do I want to pursue and do what I love? How did you find your way through that? Um, and, and what were your battles with that? Yeah. Um, well, I will say that I had a tremendous amount of support from my my parents and my brothers and just my close people mm-hmm. uh, to basically be open to the idea that and they this this is something that they knew then that I've I've come to learn over time which is you know Marcus you're super talented and you're a super like hardworking thoughtful person you're going to be fine you're going to be successful in whatever you do like I heard that growing up mm-hmm. that word that phrase like you'll be successful whatever you do and I was like I don't I don't even know what to make of that yeah like what the hell does that mean like I need to have something to be successful at before that can even come to light, you yeah. know? Um, but re- regardless, they were like unwavering in their their support and repetition of that phrase to me. It's like, okay, you're going to be fine, whatever you do. And they wanted to give me the space to figure it out. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was key. You know, like I didn't, I didn't drop out of medical school and like land like on my ass and like suddenly like I'm, you know, trying to scrape by and, you know, figure out life. Like I got to move home. I got to live with my parents. They supported me through a three year period of my life where I basically lived at home and was able to save money and kind of determine my direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, thanks to their support, you know, and, and their saving early on, like I was able to get out of, out of medical school, pay off my student loan right away, you know, with a little bit of work that I did and some, some money that I had saved. Um, so I wasn't in like this massive debt, um, you know, so I had, I had a pretty, I had a couple things laid out for me that maybe some people don't. And that's not to say that I would discourage people without a safety net to make the leap that I did. I'm just saying that I didn't, I didn't have to go through some of the obstacles that many people do face. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm grateful to my family for that. And it's informed me about how I want to raise my daughter and what I want to provide her in terms of the safety net so that she can ultimately make the decisions and the choices that really make her feel best in life. How, how did you finally find your way into doing what you love rather than what you felt like you needed to do? Great. Really what it came down to was that I had a sense of what I wanted to be doing which was somehow making a difference like in people's lives and like a very tangible, like kind of short feedback loop way. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So like the, the, the life of of a physician or a medical student, that's like super delayed gratification. Yeah. Like you're going to work your ass off for years before you're ever really trusted with your first patient to actually do something that they will like in the, in the moment be like, Oh, you really helped me, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. You know, thank you. Thank you, doctor for helping me through this. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, is, is hard to navigate cause you're like oh, just studying away without like a clear direction as to, you know, or, mm-hmm. or a feeling of like, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to get into a place where I could do that really, like, I don't want to say quickly, but like sooner than later. Yeah. And I also knew it was just around the time when 
CrossFit affiliates were starting to actually become more of like a more commonplace. Mm-hmm. You know, you would you would look up on a map, a Google map, and you would type in a city and CrossFit, and maybe two or three would show up. You know, on the map in most major places, most major cities. Mm-hmm. Whereas prior to that, it was like one. And then before that, you would go to cities there weren't any. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, today there's 15 to 20 in every major city. Yeah. So, um, I was totally enthralled with the, with the CrossFit scene and the, and the methodology and the culture. And you know, I lived on CrossFit.com and studied everything on the journal that was available. And uh, basically, knew that like, you know, there was this growing and budding community. Um, where people were taking concepts in health and fitness and applying them in a day-to-day practical way and changing people's lives. And that everyday average, you know, folks were coming into the gym to do stuff that for the past 10 years of my life were were sort of like looked at as like, well, only athletes or only gym rats do that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, that was kind of a clear place where I wanted to land. I wanted to say, okay, I need to go and I just need to go and get involved in something where I have access to lots of people who are my target audience, people that I know I could help, and figure out what they're getting help with today and what they're not getting help with, and I can sort of fill gaps. So that was kind of just like my – that was the only thinking I had was I need to get into a gym. Mm -hmm. And I needed to get into a gym, and the first way I got into the gym was through being a part of the community myself. So I just joined a, joined a CrossFit gym. Yeah. And I knew at some point that meant that I, I was going to need to start coaching people. So mm-hmm. I knew that there was an evolution to coaching. And then eventually I knew that there was an evolution for me to business ownership or gym ownership, mm-hmm. community leadership, and having you know a place where I could structure how people were going to you know get their health and fitness delivered to them. Yeah. Um, and so that, that really just sort of like, you know, started to connect some dots for me. And once I got involved, um, I started to learn like, you know, more about the industry. And I'm, I'm reading a book now, like a, you know, about like a, a chef that, you know, came up through the ranks of dishwasher all the way to like chef, you know, stardom. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting because like I, I see that as such, that was such a, I read that book maybe 15 or 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and it really inspired me. Um, And I'm rereading it today and I'm thinking to myself like, that's, that's exactly what it's about when it comes to health and fitness. Like, and and that's the advice I give to people is like, where do you, how do you get into something? Well, you start at the bottom and, or you start somewhere. It doesn't matter where you want to end up. Just start somewhere and start learning. You know, as a dishwasher at a restaurant, you you learn a ton about what happens in the business. You know, you get to see the total inner workings of of a professional kitchen, and you get to see exactly what the different roles are. And then, you know, you get promoted to prep cook or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I joined a community because I wanted to see how does this thing work? What are the people offering? Then I started coaching classes. Mm-hmm. Then I started doing private sessions. Then people started to seek me out for consultations. Then I started doing individual, you know, uh, program design. 
Then I opened up my own business. Then I started to hire coaches. Then I started to educate those coaches. Mm-hmm. Then I started to, you know, create uh, educational material or be, you know, put out new concepts in functional bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. And people started asking me to, you know, write pro like. So it, it was a snowball effect that started with me just being like, I need to be around this all the time, every single day. Yeah. And then every single day I went to the gym was about learning about what does this actually mean to do this in the way that I want to. Yeah. So obviously you do so much, like you just listed off, um, the health part, the nutrition part, the fitness part. Um, what do you think is the most fulfilling for you now that, you know, you, you are doing what you love and you're kind of living that dream that you had in your head where you get to have fitness in your life every day and, and help others. What do you think the most fulfilling part of kind of just the day to day, um, is for you? Um, well, there's two parts that are really fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I think number one is seeing the coaches that work here with me or work with us at Revival Strength, seeing them have personal successes in life that are supported by a career in health and fitness is really just makes me feel really good. I love to see their growth and not just professionally but personally um, because that was what I was I was looking for. I was looking for, you know, 10 years ago I was looking for a way to engage in this industry in a way that could potentially give me a future to do health and fitness and, you know, start a start down a path of like you know, life, personal life success, you know, and maybe start a family or whatever, all the things that I maybe thought were going to be important to me. So that's very fulfilling. Um, I think, and then the other one is just now it's starting to see the reach of uh, some of my ideas and training concepts and um, influence, you know, and seeing it's, you know, through the through through social media, just having this uh, this ability to kind of connect with people all over the world and uh, create connections and relationships, um, you know, in different countries and and just and then and then hearing how what I'm doing, you know, here locally in this little office, like what I'm putting on to the World Wide Web and uh, through my computer and through training videos, um, how it's making a difference for, for people, you know, uh, you know, through their, through their messages and their personal, you know, uh, notes that they write me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. On the topic of that, that same book. So the book I just mentioned briefly was kitchen is kitchen confidential, which is, uh, authored by Anthony Bourdain mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, current events, you know, uh, committed suicide last week. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, it was like, really a hard, it was, it was like a very difficult day for me as a person. And the reason being was, uh, I think for the first time I experienced what a lot of people have experienced, which is, you know, losing a, a, a a person or a figure in their life that was truly inspirational or, um, inspirational, inspirational to them or served a really important role at a pivotal 
time in their life of self-discovery. And that was like, you know, I mentioned reading it for the first time 10 years ago and being inspired by the book uh, to to do things that I'd never done before. Um, And that happened in so many ways. And now fast forward, you know, uh, 10 years you know, later, it is, uh, you know, seeing, um, kind of looking back on that, you know, that period of time in my life because, uh, the, 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 you know, the news hit, you know, last week that he died and just being like, wow, I really lost somebody that was important to me. Um, and, and it just won't, it won't feel the same, not knowing that he's out there putting out content and, uh, and I and so as a result, I put out a message on social media, you know, just to really like acknowledge that I I really valued like the lessons that came from this person in a totally different industry and a totally different you know sector of of professionality that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it moved me and it really changed the course. I think it truly changed the course of my life. Um, how his his spirit and his authenticity and his, uh, you know, exploration of the world motivated me to do the same. Yeah. And so I said that, um, in, you know, so, so many words on, uh, on social media and, um, you know, just, just the messages that I got back, you know, from, from people all over, uh, just sharing with me the impact that I have been fortunate to have in their lives. It just, it just blows me away. Like that's, uh, extremely fulfilling and, and, um, just, I don't know. It's like a, it's like this full circle. Like, you know, I found Anthony Bourdain's book when I was like lost and in medical school and not knowing why I was there. And, um, and because of his, uh, writings and some of the things that I learned from reading the book and being inspired by, I chose to make some changes in my life and then 10 years later like as a result um i'm getting to have an impact on people that are uh i think maybe feel in the same way i feel about him some deep connection to me and and whatever i'm putting out as a message so yeah yeah that's that's but absolutely and i think i think it's so easy for people who have such a big platform who've done so many things and have such a big following to not look at that and not really and not out of hatred for anybody but just wanting to stay personal and not um wanting to exactly make a difference with the platform that they have um and I think that it's it it has shown that you totally do make that difference and you want to make that difference in people's lives and you make it you know in your gym close to home but you make it all over the world through instagram and and your training and all that stuff so even you taking the chance to speak on the podcast and have that influence about your story um i think that's really special and something that a lot of people don't do so it's it's definitely well thank you and i i'm I'm just yeah, I mean, I kind of pinch myself regularly just when I think about that I have opportunities like this, you know, like I, a couple of years ago, something shifted in, in the course of my professional life where uh, people wanted to start talking to me and they wanted me to share my story more. And uh, I've been sharing my story for 10 plus years. I started my first travel blog 
when I was like 21 years old, that's 12 years ago, and I was in Australia, and I was traveling around with a backpack, and I was, and, and, and really the only goal there was to just share my story so that anybody who wanted to watch or listen or read could, could get insight into what's happening, and and now it's, I'm, I'm getting a chance to do that through something that I really care a lot about and something that I know can impact people's lives because it's impacted my life, health and fitness in a profound way. And it's kind of given me all the character that I have today. And um, yeah, that, there's people that want to listen. So I'm just super, super grateful for that every day. Wow. Awesome. So what do you think um, still pushes you today? Is, is it just... You know, obviously you have a family now, everything's kind of, you have revival strength and then functional bodybuilding, all that stuff. What do you think um, are the things that just keep you going day to day? Um, I think there's, I mean, I think there's a couple things, you know, I mean, you mentioned my family and, uh, well, I'll start by saying I'm, I am just kind of driven by the pure joy and love of the work, you know, the things that I mentioned that are fulfilling about what I do, I, I realize like they come at, you know, they come from, you know, a consistency to the, to the work that I do, constantly putting out new material to supporting my coaches weekly and on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, you know, like I, I can't, what I've done to this point in my life you know, will not create a lifelong legacy. There's a lot more work to do. And that to me is still drives me a lot, like in pursuit of the, those, those fulfillments and seeing success in other people. Um, and then you mentioned the family part of it. I, you know, with a family, with, you know, a daughter, my wife, and just sort of some of the grown up things that uh, I've come to, you know, I find myself in now, which are, we're all, you know, by choice and welcomed and, and I feel really grateful for, um, there's, there is a sense of like adult responsibility where, um, you know, I have these things and parts of my life that I'm accountable to providing for. Yeah. And I think something that I struggled with, and this was something I did struggle with in, in high school and college and medical school is... You know a bit of like anxiety just general anxiety about like you know kind of always thinking like the worst you know is gonna happen like yeah. I'm gonna fail the test so I have to study more than anybody else to, to succeed and I have you know I'm going to fall flat on my face at regional so I have to train harder than ever yeah, I gotta train harder than I ever thought possible um, you know my business is gonna fail and so I have to work harder than everybody else Otherwise, my business is going to fail. We're not going to have money, and I'm not going to be able to, like, you know, pay my mortgage and, and put my daughter through school, et cetera. Like, yeah. I have a bit of that tendency in my, you know, in me that I've, I've struggled with my whole life. I mean, and I say struggle because what it's done in many instances is it's, it's actually detracted from, like, my joy and my fulfillment of other parts of life. Yeah. You know, in college and in medical school, I studied relentlessly in my last couple of years. Yeah. To a point where I didn't, you know, I became depressed and I didn't have a, a life outside of school. And I was so worried about failing or not getting perfect scores or not knowing something that I pushed myself to, like, you know, the top of my class 
only to be met with like just uh, sort of depression. Yeah. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I've gotten a better handle on it now later in life, but I still have it. You know, like I could have a successful business, but I wake up each morning thinking, uh, oh, shoot, how's it, this thing's going to fail? Like next month, it's just everything that I've ever done is going to be gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's, it's like, that's an unhealthy um, sort of mentality and, and behavior that I have that I am going to continue to, you know, probably struggle with and battle for most of my life. Um, but it's, it's really like, you know, there, you ask like, what are the things that keep me motivated and keep me going? It's, it's one, like the pursuit of, of that fulfillment that we talked about. And then it's also the fear of, of what I've built or what we've done or what I've done to this point, you know, being irrelevant tomorrow. And, uh, I'm trying to, I try and balance those two because yeah. I never want to get complacent and feel like, Oh, I've done everything. There's nothing to be afraid of. And, um, I also don't want to, you know, be, uh, unable to enjoy the, you know, fruits of my labor, so to yeah. speak, <laughs> because I'm like constantly in fear of not having done enough. And, um, I'm sure there's somebody listening right now that is going to, uh, resonate with that where yeah. it's like they never enjoy themselves because they're like constantly working to do better and um yeah that's not a good place to be yeah. it's almost like that competitor spirit of okay i've done this but that's not enough what can i do more of and it's hard to look at that and not not continue to just drive harder but it's it's definitely important to take a look around and just enjoy some of the simple things and be definitely just thankful for where you are and just take a moment every day kind of to enjoy the moment rather than just keep pushing on and worrying so definitely yeah absolutely and you know easier said than done for some people yeah um but if you're in that you know that boat of just relentlessly pushing yourself um, and that goes on for years and years and years, not just like weeks or months, yeah. but like for an extended period of time, then I would just encourage people to seek help, you know, like sit down and, you know, talk to a professional, talk to a therapist, uh, you know, look at it as like, just as like you, you have a, an infection that needs, you know, treatment, like, you know, you've got, uh, You've got a, a thought pattern that, on the one hand, uh, pushes you to excel, but on the other hand, it might, you know, keep you from being able to truly enjoy um, and and see the beauty of what you what you've done and what you are doing. So, yeah. Well, you've definitely shared so many um, amazing aspects and uh, points today. And I just have two little questions at the end I always ask. Um, the first one, obviously, you've learned so much from your journey. Um, but if you could go back with everything that you've learned, everything that you have today, what are some of the things that you tell yourself either as a child, before college? Um, what are some of the pieces of advice that you'd give yourself with what you know now? Um, yeah, I think I... I think that I would probably tell myself um, that 
one of yeah one of your greatest gifts is to uh, is to be extremely focused and driven and and move move fast towards what I want. Yeah. And that always needs to be balanced throughout life with slowing down and uh, basically like doing what's what feels unnatural. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I I don't know if that it's not super clear, but but I just I I. I think about speeds of life and I think about the fast paced life of trying to accomplish and, and move like towards a goal. Um, and I think about slowing down to allow, you know, some perspective to kind of like settle in. And, um, I, I learned that the hard way by basically going a fast pace for five years in a row through, high school and college to them being like, I can't do this anymore. I need to slow way down and I need to go and travel for five months in, you know, Southeast Asia where life is slow and there's nothing to do. And then I came back and I went super fast in medical school only to then realize I needed to slow down and leave medical school and rediscover myself. (laughs) So rather than play that, that kind of yo-yoing game of like, go fast for a few years until something breaks, then slow down for a year, then go fast again. It's like, where is the, uh, you know, how do you incorporate both yeah. into your, into a day-to-day life, into your week-to-week practices? Um, and I think I'm, I think I'm learning how to do that better as I get older. And I'm happy, you know, I'm fortunate to have a wife that uh, knows, knows that I'm prone to, you know, getting pulled in to one end of that spectrum and she works hard and it's hard work for her to get me to slow down, mm-hmm. you know, to be, be present and to, to take, take in, soak in what, what we have today, not worry about what we need to build for. Yeah, absolutely. And then last question. Um, if I know CrossFit fitness, um, just kind of sports in general have, to find your life in some ways um, made you who you are today. But without all those things in your life, what are some of the things that you want to de- be defined by um, in the end? Kind of what legacy do you want to leave? Um, I, think, I just think somebody that like, you know, just led by example. You know, if there was something that I believed in, I would, and I wanted to pass that message along to others that I went out and I first learned it by doing it myself and then, um, and then took all the lessons that I learned from that process and put it towards inspiring or educating others and how to, how to incorporate it into their lives. And, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that you did today. And you definitely um, are leaving that legacy on many people and impacting so many people. So 
Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks, Brittany. I appreciate every, every, every one of the questions today. Thank you. Thanks again so much for listening today, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Again, if you did, take a moment to share this so we can get the message out. I hope this story inspired you to go out, live your story, and don't be afraid to share it.